Well, good morning, Oakwood family. Glad to see all of you who are here this morning and also uh, all of those who are watching online right now. I want to say thank you for making it a priority to uh, spend time with the Lord on Sunday morning, to uh, worship in His name, and I appreciate our worship team and what a great job they're doing uh, to uh, be able to uh, get together and practice and, and do what they do on Sunday mornings and just feel led to the throne of grace and, and uh, just love our our worship team there. And uh, we've been in a series called Thankful, and I want to give you something to be thankful about this morning. First of all, we had four baptisms first service. So praise the Lord for that. Yeah, it was, it was a really neat thing. And uh, those uh, well-behaved children, I think their age ranges were like 9 to 12, uh, sat out here and took sermon notes the whole time with their Bibles open. I was like, wow, you talk about warming a pastor's heart. I was like, wow, these kids are really good. And anyway, it's just cool to see them fired up for the Lord, giving their lives to him and uh, just making that commitment. And it was just, uh, it was a great, great time and something to be really thankful for because uh, God continues to move and do his work. And, and I pray, that's been my prayer through this series, that God would just continue to move and, and do his work in your hearts and in your minds as we've gone through this series. And I'm just curious, and maybe this is a challenge because maybe this week you have a little bit more time than you have on other weeks, but would this, would this be a season, and maybe have you done this, since we talked about this in the very first week of this series, is have you taken time to count your blessings? Have you actually taken time to think about all that God has done, all the things you have to be thankful for? And let's not be just generic about, you know, food on the table and a roof over our head. Yes, we are indeed thankful for those things. We are indeed blessed to have those things. But beyond that, what about a meaningful relationship that you have with someone? What, 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 if, what if it's just the fact that God has used you to minister to someone and, and how that just fills up your heart? Uh, maybe it's other ways that God has provided and maybe it's just the fullness of life that you're going through right now or maybe it's how God has delivered you out of a time and a season where you are struggling but no matter what it is it's good to stop and to count your blessings one by one and I hope that you will take time to do that this week if you haven't already and we talked about that in week one and last week we talked about how we come to the Lord with a prayer of thanksgiving in our hearts and part of the passage we talked about last week was Philippians chapter four it says this do not be anxious about anything but in every situation with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's the truth. And this is a time and a season where I think as Christians, we're called to action. We're called to actually put our faith to work for us. We're, we're, we're called to be a people that will actually act on what we believe. And so I, my, my, my prayer is just that this would just continue. And today I think we're going to be challenged even more to be a people that are marked by thankfulness and gratefulness for the Lord and all He's done in our lives. And we're going to be challenged to uh, take some steps there too. So if you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, Luke's Gospel. So that's New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book, third Gospel. That's so we're going to begin this morning. And if you're like me, sometimes when a preacher comes out to preach and he's going to be like going different parts of the Bible, I like to know, so I'll give you for people like me. Uh, we're also going to be in Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35, that's the second book of the Bible. So we'll get there later, but I just wanted to give you a heads up if you're one of those, because I would like to like mark it, you know, put a little piece of paper on my thumb there and kind of be ready and be prepared for, 
for uh, heading there later. So we're going to begin with Luke 17. And if you have uh, been in church for any amount of time, you've ever been to a Thanksgiving service or, or, or maybe a, a series on Thanksgiving or leading up to Thanksgiving, you could probably say, oh yes, I have heard this passage before. I, in fact, I'm familiar with this story, but there were some things as I, as I re-studied this and re-read this, some things that just jumped out at me uh, this year that have never jumped out at me before. And that's the way Word of God works uh, so often, and that's why we're to be in it daily. So um, I'm, I'm just going to encourage you with that this morning to be a people of the Word, be in the Word. Luke chapter 17, we're going to begin with verse 11, and this is the story of Jesus healing the ten lepers. And this is what it says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now that's significant later in the passage. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, a little bit about the leprosy. First of all, if you had leprosy, uh, you weren't allowed to have human contact with anyone else that, had, that didn't have leprosy. Okay? It was kind of like having you know, COVID-19. They don't want you to have, you know, keep a distance from other people. And so these leper colonies would come. So it would be normal for a group of 10 guys uh, to be together in a leper colony because they all have leprosy. And so they're not contagious to each other, but they would be contagious to everyone else because leprosy was highly contagious. Okay? And so you get to this, this story, and, and they, they call out to Jesus from a distance in a loud voice, hey, hey, Master, have pity on us. We need healing. We need a touch from you. And they're believing in Jesus and, and who he is and all that he can do. And then we get to verse 14. It says, and when he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so we see this cause and effect here of obeying uh, Jesus and obeying the Son of God. As they go, then they found themselves cleansed. Now, you know, uh, sometimes I'm like, you know, why didn't Jesus just say, hey, your, your faith has healed you, go, or I've healed you in the name of my Father God, go, or, you know, something like that. Instead, it's just kind of an awkward response. Hey, have mercy on us. Go show yourself to the priest. And they're like, okay, well, if that's what he says to do, that's what we're going to do. And it says, on their way, as they obeyed him, as they went to the priest, they were cleansed. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. You ever done that? Praised God in a loud voice? Like, yes, I want everyone to know. I want everyone to hear about what the Lord has done for me, and he's got a great and powerful testimony. So he comes back and he praises God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. It's interesting there that the, why would that line be in there? And if you know the story of, of the Israelites and the, and the Samaritans and God's chosen people, the Samaritans were, were kind of considered um, Jewish in descent, but they were what a lot of scholars would say they were kind of half bred Jews and, and they didn't follow everything that the Jews did and they kind of always bordered uh, the, 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 the Holy Land there. If you read at the very beginning, it was Jesus was walking along between Samaria and Galilee, so there's going to be some possible Samaritans in this leper group along with other ones that had leprosy that were Galilean in, in descent. And so they're considered foreigners. They're considered outcasts. And it's the outcast and the foreigner, 
not God's chosen people, the Israelites, that actually comes back to Jesus here. And so it's significant enough, Jesus says that he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. It's a bit that we need in the story here. Now we get to verse 17. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? When Jesus asks a question like that, when you read stories in the Bible, you have to understand, Jesus didn't say that for himself, and he didn't say it for God. Okay, he's the Son of God. He knows. Okay, he knows where the other nine are, and he knows that he cleansed ten people. Okay, this is almost like rhetorical for us, the reader, for people in that time that heard this story. That, that you know, it's kind of like, wow, Jesus, did you know there were ten? And you know, where are the other nine? He knows. He knows the answer to that, but he lays this foundation so we can apply something from from this story. So Jesus said, "We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other?" Nine, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This Samaritan was so moved by God, was so grateful and thankful for the miraculous work that God had done in his life, that he comes back to Jesus, the Son of God. He falls at his feet. He's been praising him in a loud voice, remember? He falls at his feet, throws himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And yet, were there not ten that were healed? And only one comes back. Where are the other nine? I want us to consider uh, several things about this passage this morning and the first one is this thankfulness leads us into the presence of God catch this if you don't catch anything else this morning thankfulness leads us into the presence of God let me explain what I mean if you are here this morning you say man I have not felt like the presence of God. Like you know that feeling. I mean, it's almost like a goosebump moment in worship. It's a time when you're in your car and you're praying and you just feel the presence of God. It's that time that you're maybe maybe you're you're you know beside your bed on your knees at home or you're in your prayer closet or there's just these moments where it's like, "Wow, I feel the presence of God. I have felt it so many times in my life just here in God's sanctuary. The presence of God. The presence of God. And really deep down inside, that's what we all desire is this presence. And I'm here this morning to maybe challenge you to think about thankfulness leads us into the presence of God. It leads us into the presence of God because when this leper found himself thankful, he did what? He wanted to come back into the presence of God. He wanted to come back and throw himself at the feet of Jesus and worship and glorify his name for who he is and all that he had done in this leper's life. And for many of us, I think this is something that's so true. Appreciation precedes association. That if we appreciate something, then we have a tendency to want to go back to it. 
If we appreciate something, we want to associate with that. If, you know, I'll give you an example of this. We have a, a volleyball league uh, here at the church, and, and we do this um, every year, and, and it runs from like January till right around April. And we have so many in our church today that are so appreciative for the volleyball league that they, it was because of that appreciation for what we were doing there that they wanted to associate with us. And we've actually had people come to the Lord. We've had people come be members of our church and come into our fellowship because of that. And it was because of appreciation it preceded the association they wanted to have with us. Well, with grateful and glad and thankful and sincere hearts, they seek out God's people. They seek out God's church. Same thing happened here in the passage today. This leper was so moved and so grateful and thankful, he wanted to seek out the Son of God. He wanted to thank Him personally. He wanted to express gratitude in a posture of worship because of what God had done. And because of that, it led him back into the presence. And I want us to consider that this morning. That maybe acknowledging God's qualities and His accomplishments and your life, and taking time to count your blessing, and taking time to pray, and taking just time to be thankful and grateful for who God is, for all that he represents in your life. Salvation, forgiveness of sins, mercy, provision, all of those things that would lead us back to praise and this desire to want to be in the presence of God. Thankfulness leads us into the presence of God. And you could say the opposite of that too. Ungratefulness leads us away from God. Where are the other nine? I suppose that they were grateful for a moment. I, I suppose that they're walking to the priest, they're like, hey, my leprosy is starting to clear. Do, do I look good to you? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're rejoicing. They're thankful. They're thankful. They're grateful for a moment. It's just a fleeting moment. It's not enough to go back to Jesus. They're thankful for a moment, and then they go on. I think that happens to us a lot as Christians, as followers of God. As we, we come in, in, into this time, we, 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 we thank, we, you know, we're thankful for God. You know, maybe for some of you it's like one week out of the year, November, Thanksgiving, right? And, and we remember, and we want to remember for a moment and we want to praise his name and be thankful and grateful in a moment, but it doesn't become a posture of our life. It doesn't become a state of mind or a state of being for us as God's people. And so as soon as we get grateful, we find ourselves ungrateful as we just go on with our lives. In fact, some people can turn it around right away. Well, God, you know, thankful, I'm thankful you healed me, but man, I've had leprosy for 10 years. I mean, come on, God could have healed me 10 years ago. You see? The ungratefulness can just stir right back into our hearts and our lives. And ungratefulness leads us away from God. They don't come back to Jesus. They go on with their life. And we don't know for sure if they, you know, separated from God, eternally separated from God. We can't speculate that. But I know they didn't come back to Jesus. They didn't come back to be in his presence. Only the grateful one, the scripture says. Only the thankful one. The scripture says, is the one who came back to Jesus, while the others just went on with their life. And it makes me think, could it be a thing that if we want the presence of God more in our life, and we want to feel it, we want to experience the presence of God more in our life, that people that move away from God, this just makes sense when you say it, right? The people who move away from God don't experience the presence of God as those that move toward God. 
And is a grateful and a thankful spirit in your life and a person that honestly all the time thinks about God and what he's done and praises his name and wants to praise him in a loud voice and wants to come back into the presence of God, could it be a thing that as we move closer to God with thankfulness and gratefulness that we experience his presence more because we spend more time close to him? Instead of spending our time just out there, and maybe it's not even that we're ungrateful, we just have apathy toward expressing it toward God, that that moves us away from God instead of moving us toward him. Ungratefulness leads us away from God. A third thing this morning I want us to consider is that a thankful heart, a heart that is full of thanks, leads to a giving heart. It leads us to a giving heart. Right here in Luke 17, we see that he wants to give praise to God. And because of that, he comes back giving praise to God from this place of gratefulness in his life. And, and now he's gone from taking and just receiving from God the blessing of miraculous healing, but now he's giving back to God the praise. He's giving back to God his testimony and his story. He's coming back to worship, and he falls at the feet of the Son of God to do that. And it, it's an amazing thing. A thankful heart leads to a giving heart. There's another great passage that illustrates this so well. And so I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. Second book of the Bible, if you're turning there. And of course, if you're in the app, all the scriptures are there for you. But Exodus chapter 35. If you think about where this takes place in, in, in Exodus and, and where it's at in the life of God's people, there, there's several things for us to consider here. Uh, first of all, the book of Exodus is about the exodus out of Egypt, about God's exit from the, his chosen people, the Israelites, out of the bondage of slavery of the Egyptians. And then they go through this, through this series of miracles, and then they, they're going to the promised land. And then uh, as, you, as you read more and more, there's going to be some battles in the promised land. And God is with them and through, through it all. But what, something amazing happens here right in the middle of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 35, because God wants to actually be even closer in, 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 to his people, the Israelites. And he does it in an amazing way, and he enlists them to help him. And let's just read it. Um, Exodus chapter 35, beginning with verse 4. Moses, if you remember the story of Moses, he's the one that God selected to, to choose to take the people out of Egypt to lead the Israelites. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have in your possessions... What, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold and, and of silver and of bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lights, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Now, if you read the subheading here, what are they gathering all of these things for? And, and notice it's, a, it's an offering. It's a free will offering. Okay? It's not like taxation. God's requiring of them. He's just saying, I would like these things to build for you what was called the tabernacle. These materials that he's gathering is for the tabernacle. 
We're going to talk about that in just a second. If you skip down to verse 20 in, verse 30, in uh, chapter 35 there, it says, And then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. So in those remaining verses there that we skipped, he's just giving them more instructions on what to bring and how to bring it to them. It says, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart was moved then came and brought an offering to the Lord. For the work of the tent of meeting, for all of its service, and for the sacred garments. And so all these things that we're, that we're building, they're going to be part of the tabernacle. It's going to be a huge representation to them. The people are responding to what Moses had asked for, and they're starting to bring these things. If you skip down to uh, verse 29 of chapter 35, it says, All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord freewill offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. And so they respond by giving all this stuff to help build God's tabernacle. Now, check out what happens in, in, in chapter 36, beginning with verse 1. It says, so Bezalel and Oholiab, and those are good names for a little baby brother. If anybody's got that coming up here, good, strong names. Bezalel and Oholiab, you can shorten those to, to Beza and Oho, you know, and cool. Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all of the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. And then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all of the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary as part of the tabernacle. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. And so all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary that was left as they were doing it and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. And then Moses gave an order and then sent this word throughout the whole camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. It's too much. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because they had already had what was more than enough to do all the work. Can you believe it? The church quits taking up an offering in the Bible. Is that not crazy? The people were so generous to this. And notice in there, several times it mentions it's the Lord's work, the Lord's work, the Lord's work. It's what the Lord had commanded. The Lord had commanded Moses. That they're so generous to the Lord's work here. And it's free will. I mean, God could have commanded it from them and ordered them to do it. And it would would have felt like paying taxes. You know, it's like you have to pay your taxes. No, No, it's a free will offering. And he says, I want all these artifacts and all these things to be brought as a free will offering and how you all provide for it is how glorious it will be when it is built. And they fund the Lord's work and it gets to the point where they're like, it's too much. We can't put anything more in this tabernacle. We can't fit it anymore. Moses, do something. Moses says, hey, stop giving. Stop giving. It's too much. And he puts out an edict. Hey, please don't give your free will offerings. Don't make anything else to go here into the tabernacle. You get to this point and and you wonder, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal, folks. These were the Israelites. The Israelites were giving out of an overflow and abundance of their hearts because of who God was to them and what he had done for them. You see, they were just coming off the heels of God delivering, delivering them out of slavery 
and out of bondage in Egypt. He had saved them by enabling them to cross the Red Sea. Do you remember the story? They crossed the Red Sea and he had, he had taken care of them. He had provided manna from heaven in the wilderness. He had given them water from a rock. And now he was promising his presence with them always through this thing called the tabernacle. You see, when we say the tabernacle, we, we think of it as, as kind of the dwelling place. We think of the different parts of it, the tent of meeting and all of these different meaningful things. But the interesting thing about the word tabernacle is we use it usually in the form of a noun. Like it's, it's a place that, that, that they went. It was this, this place that when they set up camp, they would set up the tabernacle of the Lord. But, but really, sometimes you could use it as a verb because God wanted to tabernacle with his people. Tabernacle, tabernacle meant to dwell with, to settle in with. It gave this idea of staying power and of the staying presence of God in their lives. And if you can imagine being an Israelite and God has rescued you out of a 200-year bondage and slavery to a foreign group, and, and now he has not only done that, he, you, you thought it was over when you were up against the Red Sea. He parts the Red Sea. Your enemies start to cross the Red Sea. He closes the waters in on the Egyptians and they die. He, he not only that, now he's leading you through the wilderness and through the terrain to this place called the promised land. And he's providing food in the form of manna. He's providing water out of a rock when you need it. He is providing everything you need. And in the middle of all of this, in Exodus chapter 35, then God says, I want to tabernacle with you. I want to dwell with you and be a dwelling place for you. And I want to be in your presence. I want to offer you my presence forever. Because you're my people. And I'm your God. And so we're going to build this tabernacle. And I want you to fund it. I want you to take care of it for me. I want you to build it. And the people start giving. <laughs> and they give to an amount of this overflow and this thankfulness and this gratefulness in their hearts. They become givers and they become generous to the Lord's work. A thankful heart leads to a giving heart. Just like the leper wanted to come back and give praise. So the Israelites wanted to come back and give offerings and to offer. Their, you know, some of that was probably sacrificial giving. It was free will, but it was sacrificial for some of them. They're giving the best of their best, and they're bringing it to the Lord for the Lord's work. And the people are so moved by who God is and, and what he wants now is to build this tabernacle and to tabernacle with the people be committed to his staying presence, settling in, dwelling with them. We get to the New Testament and then the Holy Spirit comes in and now it's dwelling not only with you, but in you. And people are blown away and they're so thankful and they're so grateful. It wells up and it becomes this outrageous generosity to the point where they're like, too much. Now, I'll be honest, as an elder of the church and as the senior minister here at Oakwood, if we ever get to the point where we are so overfunded, I will let you know, okay? And we'll, we will quit taking up offerings. But if you look at the bulletin from last week, we, we're a little short right now. And, and so this isn't a, isn't a time to, to say, oh, we need to quit giving now. No, this is a time to give expectantly, to give supernaturally, to give with outrageous generosity to, toward the Lord's work. But... But if we start meeting and exceeding the budget and we're blessing missionaries all over the world and we're funding things in our community and it becomes too much, I will be as Moses and I will let you know, stop giving, you generous people. Stop it. But we're not there yet. 
But I hope that we get there someday. Because I think the world stands up and notice when Christians will offer and sacrifice offerings and, and, and their dollars toward the Lord's work. And churches that make some of the biggest impacts in the world, they, they're funded well by God's people. And I think it's this, this attitude and this viewpoint of gratitude and thankfulness that motivates that kind of an offering. It motivates us to want to give back to God because he's so richly and fully given to us. You see, a thankful heart leads to a giving heart. Last thing this morning, as we cultivate thankful hearts, as we cultivate that, those thankful hearts for God's goodness, his presence, and his provision, what he provides for us, generosity that impacts the world will flow naturally from our lives. What that means is we won't even have to talk about, we won't even have to ask. It's going to be such a natural part of your relationship with God, of your faith. It's just going to overflow. It's just going to flow naturally. And not only just for offerings in the church, but things that you can be involved with outside of God's church. Opportunities you have at Christmas opportunities you have to support. We have had so many organizations reach out to our church for Christmas season. And, it's, and we've had all kinds of opportunities before us, like helping kids get Christmas presents that won't because their parents are in prison. Uh, we, we've, we've had some programs here local in the community that want us to, to buy just some necessities for children. Uh, we, we, you know, we have our food pantry. They didn't do their fall drive this year. And, and so uh, there, there is a decrease in food um, at the pantry, but there's an increase in, in people needing food and wanting food and wanting to go there. And so there's all these opportunities before us that are even over and above the tithes and offerings of God's church. And when you are a grateful person, and when you're a thankful person, when these opportunities come, it wells up in you and you respond by providing because the Lord has so richly provided for you. And it wells up in this outrageous generosity and it impacts the world in ways that sometimes we just don't even realize. Generosity toward the Lord's work. Generosity in those opportunities you know, we did this this year at Easter. You, do you remember that? What were we, like three weeks into pandemic lockdown? We we're, were trying to figure out, how do we make church better online? We, our, our offerings that first week were 20% of need. We hadn't had an offering that low, as far as I know, ever in God's church. The, ne- the next week was like maybe 30 or 40% of need. And it was just on the heels of that, of saying, man, what's happening? And, and part of it was we're trying to figure out how to give online, you know, how to mail it in, all those things. You're not in here. We're not passing the plates every week. It, it made it, you know, you had to take a step further to, to give. But it was during that time that a need came up in the Philippines. That Paul and Mary Wilson, our, our missionaries of the Philippines, let us know that, hey, over in the Philippines, it's different than here. Here, you know, you go to work and you've got some money and you pay and you buy food. Over there, they work for their food. Some of those people in those families work for their food that day. Like they get up in the morning and they don't know where they're going to get their food. So they got to go to the ocean and catch fish so they can have food. They got to go out to the garden, pull some things to make lunch that day. And because they were locked down, they couldn't even go out and fish anymore. They were literally locked in their homes. And so there was this opportunity for us to be outrageously generous and to give to that. We gave thousands of dollars and it affected hundreds of families in the Philippines. 
all for the glory of God. And it was because God's people that were thankful to be living in America, that were thankful to have money in their account that they could go to the grocery store, sacrificed part of that for the kingdom of God and affected many lives. You see, when we cultivate these thankful hearts to God for who he is, for all that he's done in our lives, and for not only, not only his goodness and his presence in our lives, but his, for his provision as well. It just, this generous heart, this generous lifestyle, this generous mindset just overflows from Christians and it impacts the world. There's so many times that I think we need to be reminded of that. You see, thankfulness will lead us into the presence of God in so many different ways in our life. I want to close the series by going back to the first week, by sharing the very first scripture that we talked about there. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. And this is what it says. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think it's a, it's a great reminder to us that we are to be a joyful people always. That we can be joyful because our joy is not based on circumstances. Our joy is based on the kingdom of heaven and the God that sits on the throne there. And because of that, we can always look whatever comes our way in life and encounter it with joy. It says to pray continually. We're to be continually it's just a posture that we live in life that we're constantly talking and communicating to God and letting our requests be known to Him, crying out to Him. He wants that from us. But it says then, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks. Be thankful for who God is. Be thankful that you're a child of His in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. And I think sometimes the writer could just stop there, right? This is God's will for you. But he doesn't stop there. The rest of the verse says, in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for you in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you. Salvation. Your salvation is through the Son of God and through the act of giving that God gave to us. And just as Jesus gave healing to a leper and the leper was so moved, he came back into the presence of God, and he worshiped him, and he praised him in a loud voice with a grateful and sincere heart. So we are called to do the same thing. I want to remind you of this this morning. In the stressful times, seek God. In the, in the uncertain times, trust God. But at all times, thank God. Be thankful that we are God's children. And I know as we say that sometimes, you're like, yeah, there's so much going on in the world. I mean, do we, do we have election results? I mean, do we even know what that, that is yet? I mean, do, there's so much going on in the world. You know, they're gonna lock, are they, are they gonna shut down schools for another few weeks? And, you know, some people are worried about the economy and yet the stock market keeps going up and, and there's just so much uncertainty in the world. And you know, we talk through all of these things and you could make this the focus of your Thanksgiving dinner with whoever you end up sharing it with this year. You know, the talk of this and politics and the economy and all these things that really kind of don't matter. And you just, you sit there sometimes, you're just like, yeah, yada, 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 right? It's a funny word. 
yada. If you actually look it up, it's, it's actually in the Bible. <laughs> in the Old Testament, the word yada. And it's not like pronounced different like in Hebrew, it's yada. It's just yada, just like we say it. When we say yada, yada, it's like, yeah, so on and so forth. And yeah, yada, yada, yada. But in the Bible, it actually means, and it's translated into English, to give thanks. And it's about a posture of giving thanks with open hands to God. In, in, in Psalm chapter 92, verse 1, it says this, It is good to give thanks. That, that give thanks, there's that word yada. It is good to give thanks. It is good to yada to the Lord. To sing praises to your name, O Most High. It is good to praise the Lord, to hold out your hand to Him. If you think about it, it makes sense. We confess, and when you make a confession, it's like you're opening your hands to God. We, we revere God by maybe extending our hands to God and trusting Him. And when we're giving thanks, many times in praise and worship, we'll raise our hands to God. We give thanks, and we confess, and we extend with open hands to God. And that is yada, giving thanks with an open hand. It's a posture, and it's a posture that we just don't assume Thanksgiving week. It's actually a posture that gives us this idea that it's forever. That we would yada before the Lord, that we would give thanks for the Lord with open hands forever. And I wonder if maybe this could change some of our conversations around the Thanksgiving table this year that maybe we could have conversations that aren't just, yeah, the economy and the this and the politics and this and I don't like this and masks and pandemic and all this, yada, yada, yada. No, maybe it's praise with an open hand and an open heart to God, yada, yada, yada. You see, God extends his hand to us. He opens up his hand to us through Jesus Christ. And what he wants from us is for us to open our hand back to him. Because I believe it is that point that God will take your hand and walk you through whatever you need to walk through in life. And if you don't know him as Savior and Lord, we're going to have the opportunity in just a few minutes for you to respond and come talk to somebody about your relationship with Jesus Christ. But for those of you that have made that decision, we're going to move into our time of communion this morning. I can think of no better way and no better thought than as we take this bread that represents Jesus' body and this cup that represents His blood, that we could do this with open hands, with a posture of openness to God, praising Him and giving thanks, being open to Him, being open to how He wants to speak into our minds, how He wants to speak into our hearts today, that our posture to Him would be open, with open hands and open hearts. And when we take these representations of his sacrifice, that we would be a people that are truly found to be grateful and thankful for all that Jesus has done for us. Let's pray about that right now. Lord God, we come to you, and we come to you in a, in a spirit of yada, that we, we come to you in a spirit of giving thanks and being open to you and, and having, having open hands and being open-palmed to you, God. It's a symbol of our confession of our sins. It's a symbol of our trust in you. 
But God, we know that you have opened up your hand and you have reached out to us. And God, you ask us to reach back with this attitude of gratefulness. And Lord, I can't think of anything more motivating for us than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, your only son, that's represented in these emblems that your church is about to take together this morning. The body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, it's salvation in this cup because we are the ones that sin. We are the ones that deserve the sentence of the cross. And yet your son came into this world and willingly took it on so that we could have hope and have life. And so, Lord, we come to you now, and I pray in these next few minutes as we take communion, Lord, I pray for our church and for everyone who's participating in this, whether it's online at home or whether it's right here in the room. Yada, Lord. We give thanks so we open our hearts to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a moment now and commune with your Savior.